Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7. Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. And Lord, we thank you for your word. And we pray, Lord, you change us this day as a result of hearing your word. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Groucho Marx once said, I never forget a face, but in your case, I'll make an exception. (laughs) In your case, I'll make an exception. Well, sometimes I forget things, but not on purpose. Uh, Things like, where did I put my keys? How do I get to a certain place? What day is it? What time is it? What's your name? Memory is a valuable commodity. Memory is a powerful tool. It's a great ally. And some long-term memories are just simply wonderful. My wedding day. The birth of our five kids. Um, momentous occasions. There's also the mundane wonderful memories. Whenever UCLA beats USC. And Lakers championships. Things like that. Uh, Some memories are disturbing. When JFK was shot. 9-11. Other tragedies, other, other disasters. And even the remembrance of our own sin. Disturbing. Some memories are wonderful, some are disturbing. But no one would dispute memory and remembering is a powerful thing. My role in preaching is, is often simply to remind people of what they already know. To recall the truth. And God wants us to remember. And, and today we're reminded to look back and remember the people who've led us and who've taught us God's word. So far in Hebrews chapter 13, we've been encouraged to love the brethren. Show hospitality to strangers. Show kindness to prisoners. We have uh, absorbed some pointed words as it relates to marriage and purity and the wise use of money. But now, as we look at those six verses that we've looked at in the last few weeks, we, we realize that they've shown us a vital truth. They've shown us the vital truth that God is honored when what we say we believe actually finds its way into everyday living. When it actually finds its way into our lives. When it shows up in our day-to-day living. It's the idea that godly beliefs coupled with godly actions results in integrity. Integrity. What we believe must find its way into daily living. Where the rubber meets the road in our lives, in our church, in our families. If it doesn't find its way to where we live, then we're just talking. Then we just say we believe something, but it's not true for us. See, Christian commu- uh, commitment, true Christian commitment is lived out in, in boardrooms and in bedrooms, in lunchrooms and family rooms, in the home, in the church, in the community. Beds and bank accounts cannot be separated from theology. Now in verse 7, a shift takes place. A shift takes place from that that exhortation to love the brethren 
And then that exhortation to holiness, uh, to one on how to respond to leaders. This is not addressed to leaders on how to lead. This is addressed to those who follow on how to respond appropriately to leaders. The primary thrust being um, how to follow and respond to leaders. And in three times in this chapter, the writer refers to leaders. In verse 17, we're to obey our leaders. In verse 24, they were to give the writers greetings to their leaders. And now here in verse 7, they're to remember their leaders. Remember them. Those leaders had shown what it means to live in Christ. And so their memory was to be kept alive in the readers' hearts and minds and lives. Now, the process of remembering leaders is broken down in this verse in three parts. And first is simply the general call to remember. Remember those who led you. Remember means to, uh, to think of and to feel for a person. To think of and feel for a person. To call them to mind. To be mindful of them. To make mention of them in your mind. They were to remember those who had served among them. Servant leaders. Those who ruled. The Greek word is hegeomai. And it means to those who were held in high esteem among them. In fact, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 with me. Because in, 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 in the idea of pointing out their leaders, they were speaking of those who were highly esteemed among them. Those who had exercised godly spiritual oversight over them. The noun being used is a general term for anyone in a position of authority or responsibility, um, politically, militarily, or religiously. It was one of several words used for leaders in Christian communities. In verse... 12 of 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul said, We request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. This was referring to those who were esteemed highly in the local church. And in the Hebrew Christian church, most likely it was pastors and elders who had taught the word of God, who had shared the gospel, and then had founded the early church there. And founded the church, and they were to remember these leaders. They were to remember those who had led them and who had spoken the word of God to them. They were to remember servant leaders, but also Bible teachers. We see in verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 4 what the writer of Hebrews uh, thinks of the word of God. The word of God is living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as a division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. See, when we come to the Word of God, the Word of God alone is able to, to judge our thoughts and our intentions. God spoke His Word, and those who share it, those who share it have a, a huge responsibility. The teaching God's Word is a, a huge privilege as well as a responsibility. Every week, I look forward so much to coming up here. In fact, first hour, I can hardly concentrate because I can't wait to get up here. The second hour, I'm more relaxed. I can just praise the Lord, singing, and then come up and share the word. But it's a huge privilege, but it's also a huge responsibility. It's not one to be taken lightly. By virtue of calling, just like when Paul said to, to Timothy, preach the word. Be ready, in season and out of season. And, but then also the accountability. James chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Let not many of you become teachers, because as such we shall incur a stricter condemnation. 
there is a higher accountability because what comes out of my mouth is going to be tested by my life. And so there's a huge privilege and responsibility that cannot be taken lightly. But they were to remember their servant leaders and their Bible teachers. Now this is the third time in Hebrews chapter 13 that the readers are being exhorted to something. First was the general exhortation to love the brethren. Then there was that exhortation to be holy seen in the commands regarding marriage and purity and money. And now they were to remember that they were not the first to try this kind of life. That living the Christian life, there had been others who had gone before them. Others that they would see as examples. And so we recognize that we have many examples that have gone before us and that have lived the Christian life and have shown us a pattern. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it look like in daily life? That kind of encouragement uh, would be huge for that early Hebrew church, that young, fledgling church that had been undergoing persecution that had been undergoing hardship and trial. It would provide them with a strong encouragement. They were to recall examples of how a Christian is to live and what that life looks like. Hebrews is saying, think back. Think back to those who who led you to Christ, who who pointed you to a life that was to be lived for Christ, and who led you and who taught you the word of God. Think back. So here's what I want us to do. I want you to think back for a moment. Who are those people in your life who've led you and have spoken the word of God to you? Past and present. Who are they? I want to encourage you to write their names down on the, on the sermon notes there. Just write their names down as they come to your mind. People that have had an impact in your life. A spiritual impact in your life. It might be a parent. It might be a pastor or an elder or a church leader or a fellow believer. A friend, a relative. Someone that has invested in you. Someone that has pointed you to Jesus, has spoken God's word to you, has encouraged you, has challenged you. So who are they for you? Share their names with someone near you. Just say their name to them. Go ahead, take a moment. I know it's a little different than what we usually do. Actually talking in the middle of a sermon. This is encouraged talking in the middle of a sermon. I'm going to even encourage you to send a text message later. No. You've already probably done that, yeah. All right. A parent, a pastor, a friend, a relative that has impacted your life. And just saying their name, there's some power, isn't there, in saying their name to another? Repeating their name? My list includes some pastors. Harold Adams from Downey First Baptist. Also from Downey, Gary Nealon and Denny Clementson. From Voyagers, Gary Stubblefield. And then mentors and friends of mine. Dave Newsma, Ron Castro, Rod Appleton, Tom Munson, Bill Lairmore, Jim Cook. There's others, a lot of them. Praise God. I praise God for them. But we're instructed to remember those who led us and spoke the word of God to us. But there was another step. They weren't just to say their name or think of their name. They were to take another step in the process of remembering. They were to consider their lives. Consider is a different word than remember with a much more focused intent. 
Uh, the Greek word is anatheoreo. It means to scan closely. Many of you use scanners, and you scan the, the object, and, and there you have a, a representation of what you scan. It means to scan closely and to observe attentively. It means to look back upon. It's like putting something under a microscope and then dialing it down to a, a very focused view. Get the detail. It, it, some of you do research. It's like researching a topic, going through some study and some research to find out what is going on. They were to closely scrutinize godly examples in their life. Those who had been uh, an example of Christ to them. And this call to contemplate these leaders is similar to the exhortation to look to Jesus that we see in Hebrews 12 too. Looking to Jesus, the, the author and perfecter of our faith, the initiator and perfecter of our faith. There's a clear connection. The call to observe leaders was a common part of early Christian advice to follow those who followed Jesus. Just like Paul said. He said, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. See, if, if, there's, if there's someone on your list, we trust that they're on your list because they have encouraged you to follow Jesus as they were following Jesus. If they're not following Jesus, they're not on the list. They don't make the cut. So we're to consider them, to scrutinize their life, to, to in a sense, dissect their life. Specifically, they were to, to consider the result of their conduct which could mean the end of their life, but it could also mean the successful outcome and result of their way of life. Consider the outcome of their way of life. Most interpreters suggest that the author is thinking of church leaders who've died in the faith, the faithful who have gone before us. But they could also, and this word could also be used of leaders who were still living, who were still alive. Now, there's an identifying clause here, those who spoke the word of God to you. And so that, that specifies that they were people they knew personally. They weren't a distant. They knew them. Now, now, take a look at your list for a moment and think about the people that you have on that list. What did they do? What can you say about their character? What could you say to describe them? Write down a few things. How do you describe these people that you say uh, led you and, and spoke the word of God to you? What were they like? What were they all about? And take a moment and share that with somebody next to you. Tell them something about that person. Maybe one thing about them. Don't be shy. It's all right. What did they do? What were they all about? What are some words that describe them? Uh, I looked at my list, and everyone on my list has one common characteristic. There was one thing, and they're all different kind of people. But there was one thing about each of them that was common. A common trait. It was that they were humble. Not an arrogant one in the bunch. They wouldn't have made the list. Each one of them are humble men of God. 
Now, this says, remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the result of their conduct. But there was another step they were to take. They weren't done yet. They were not merely to remember and then to consider. They were to take another step and imitate their faith. To incorporate into their lives what was admirable about them. Imitate means uh, to mimic, to copy. Now, when we mimic someone, a lot of times we're making fun of them. And and even when we think of imitation, you know, I don't want imitation cheese. (laughs) I want real cheese. I don't want imitation butter. I want real butter. I don't want imitation crab. I want real crab. This is a, a good thing here, though. To imitate them is a good thing because they were imitating Christ. And so it's not a weak word, it's actually a strong word which shows that it's, there's a leader that we've looked to and then we imitate them based upon what they had done that was good, what they had done that was commendable, what they had done that w- was godly. They were to imitate their faith. They were to closely scrutinize their life and then, and then follow their example. The leaders are placed in the same category of the heroic faithful in Hebrews chapter 11. And Hebrews chapter 11 contains some uh, examples of faith, men and women of earlier generations. But there's something much more powerful in following the example of a person you know, that you've seen on a day in and day out basis. Nothing can hit closer to home than to recall Someone that you've had a very personal relationship with and who has taught you the word of God firsthand. See, they were to imitate their leaders' lives as their lives, wherever their lives jived with the book. Where there was points of departure, they were not to imitate that. But they were to imitate the godliness. They were to imitate people who were worthy to be followed. Again, as Paul said to Timothy, imitate me. Excuse me, he said to the Corinthian church, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And from chapter 13, verse 7 here, we can can glean by inference the marks of that kind of leader. They lead as a servant. Remember those who led you. They speak God's word. Remember those who spoke God's word to you. I'm reminded of what Paul said to the Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, And verse 13, when he spoke of their response to them presenting God's word. He said, for this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. Another trait of the person worthy to be followed is that their life jives with the word of God. Their life, they're not just hearers of the word, they're doers of the word. Because it says to consider the result of their conduct. Consider the outcome of their life. There is a sustained faithfulness that can be seen. They're they're not one-hit wonders. They're, They're faithful over the long haul. Now, we're to identify these kind of people. We're to ID them and then imitate them. Follow their good example. And what we're to learn from them is not their personalities or their ministry techniques or even their shortcomings and sins. What we're to imitate is their faith. Verse 7 says, imitate their faith. 
how they relied upon the Lord, how they stood firm in their faith. Because they didn't, they didn't rest upon their, their charisma or their, their personality strengths. Their faith carried them. Their faith inspired them. Now, with regard to the people that are on your list, how do they inspire you? How do they inspire you? How do their lives inspire you to be more like Jesus? What did they do that you want to do? I'm a big fan of Christian biographies. The lives of people like uh, Louis Talbot and Jim Elliott and George Mueller and Hudson Taylor and Amy Carmichael and Henrietta Mears have inspired me to want to follow Jesus more closely. I've been inspired by their lives. I learned from Jim Elliott's life the idea of journaling and writing down what God is teaching me in life. I learned from Hudson Taylor's life the idea of faith because he was the father of modern faith missions. They trusted God. One of his sayings was to move man through prayer by God alone. But also I've been impacted by the living biographies that I've observed. The memories and the examples of mentors that I have personally known. From Gary Nealon I learned honesty. To not be afraid to say what really needs to be said. From Denny Clementson, I learned to be a shepherd, to be available, uh, to walk with people. From Dave Newsma, I learned uh, as a young college student the idea of tithing and giving to God's work. From Gary Stubblefield, I learned to be a servant leader, that no task was above. Uh, your, your stature or whatever, but to, to do whatever it need, needs to be done and to do it unselfishly. From men like uh, Rod Appleton and Tom Munson and Gary Rutherford and Bill Larimore and J- Jim Cook, I learned loyalty. Brothers. No matter what. Now, if you think about the people on your list, if they're still alive... Tell them how, how God has used them in your life. Tell them this week. You can send them a text message right now if you want. Call them up. Honor, the, honor God by honoring them and what God ha, has done in their life and, and spoken into your life. If, if they're not alive anymore, if they're already with Jesus, and I've got several of those, Charlie Allard, and Fred Salberg, and Buck Rarick are three that come to mind. They're... they're They're in the presence of Jesus right now. But I can tell you about them. I can tell you how Fred Salberg was a soul winner. How he had such an unassuming way with people and how he was able to to get to know them and then zero in on the gospel. And I sat there with him several times where he presented the gospel and people responded. From Charlie Allard, just a humble man. Buck Rarick, available. An older man available to younger men. But if they're, if they're not living anymore, if they're with Jesus now, tell others about them. After the service today, share them. Tell, them. tell them to your kids. Tell the stories. Remembering spiritual leaders, by the way, doing what Hebrews 13, 7 says is a biblical practice. 
When we do it, we're doing what God wants us to do. It says, remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the outcome of their life, imitate their faith. And it's not just something that God uh, wants us to do, it's something he instructs us to do right here in this verse. To think carefully of the fruit of faithful people's lives. To zero in on some things and how they love Jesus and, and how God used them in our life and let God use that as motivation to walk closer with Jesus. We need to do this. And it's helpful for us when we're discouraged or when we feel like we're, we, we just want to throw in the towel. It's helpful to remember. A lot of times we don't want, we, we are going so fast in life, we don't take the time to just think, to think back and remember. Remember godly examples. But God wants us to. God wants us to slow down and to take the time. You know, I guarantee you, if, if you practice Hebrews 13, 7, and what it says, it will make a huge difference in your life going forward. It'll make a huge difference in your life going forward in following Jesus. Now, I wanna, what I want to do next is I want to me- make mention of some things that are on my mind about about doing what Hebrews 13, 7 says, about this idea of remembering. I want to give you some things to remember about remembering. And the first thing, I want to give, uh, say a word about pedestals, disappointments, and regret. Pedestals. We have a tendency to elevate people. We lift them higher than they should be lifted. And the higher they're lifted, the harder and the, uh, and the, the further they fall. We're not to venerate our examples. They're to point us to Jesus. So don't put them up on a pedestal. Disappointment. One thing is 100% true. We can be 100% certain about. People will fail us. And we're going to fail people. And that can lead to disappointment. It can lead to discouragement. And it can also lead to to cynicism. People trip and fall. Leaders trip and fall. But it's not a reason for us to condemn them. But we might take them off the list. Their names might drop off the list. It's just a fact of life. But here's what I've noticed. It's often not so much what people did, but how they did it that impacts us. There could be a person with awesome gifts, but they're arrogant. They don't make the list. There could be someone who is so simple and so plain, but is so humble and so much integrity, they make the list. That's hope for me. That's hope for you. See, people are not looking for perfection. They're looking for integrity. Integrity. Nobody can relate to perfection. Only God's perfect. So parents, you're dealing with your kids. You're struggling with your kids. Maybe your grown kids. Remember something. They don't want the perfect version of you. They can't relate to that. They want the honest version of you. That's what people want, the honest version of us. The vulnerable version of us. The open version of us. Not the perfect version. That version doesn't exist right now. Someday, 
in heaven. But until that time, we've got to give the honest version. Now, let's talk about regret. You may not have anyone in your life like we're talking about. You may not have written anyone down. You may feel uncomfortable even thinking about it because you can't think of anybody. Or maybe you realize that right now your life is not so imitatable. (laughs) And you realize, I might not be on anybody's list. God knows. But I encourage you to do something. I encourage you to pray and to ask God for people like this in your life. And pray and ask God that he would make you that kind of person in people's lives. We often aspire to what we did not have. Now there's a second thing I want to mention. I want to talk about passing on the faith. It really relates to this idea of remembering those who led you. Because the faith was passed on to anyone who's a believer. So let's talk about passing on the faith. The strongest examples in our lives are usually ones who spent time with us, who invested in us, who taught us, who took an interest in us, whose lives we saw on a day-in, day-out basis where the rubber meets the road and we saw faithfulness in daily living. Those are usually the most powerful examples. But let's get personal now. Grace Church is a wonderful church. A beautiful church with an awesome legacy. We, we, as stated, exist to worship God, build up believers, and reach others for Christ. We are committed to growing in Christ and to godly character, to Christ-centered relationships, to unselfish service. We value families and the family of God. We value having an eternal mindset. But what's the next step? What what, what do we do with that? Well, I have a dream. I have a goal. I have a prayer. I have a hope. I have a desire. And it's for my, my life and my family first and then for grace. And it's this, that we would make an, a, a multi-generational impact. Multi-generational impact. That, that, we would, that we would impact our generation and future generations for Christ. That is a biblical and, and worthy aspiration. Now think about your list for a moment. Look at your list. Are there any parents or grandparents on it? Any moms and dads? Any, any mamas and papas on your list? Sadly, less than 10% of Christian homes read the Bible and pray together. So, we've got to think about this idea of having a multi-generational impact. Our vision as a church, in fact, look at your bulletins, Take your bulletin out, and it's, it's printed right there every week. You may not notice it because it's there every week. But if you look in your bulletin, here's what it says our vision is as a church. Becoming a worshiping body of biblically equipped believers who effectively influence our world for Christ through purposeful relationships. That is an awesome vision statement. That is our vision of what we, we envision in the future to do. As a church. But we've got to ask this question. 
what are those purposeful relationships? What are they? Several months ago, I shared an illustration that I called uh, concentric circles. And, and the picture is like this. It's like dropping a pebble into a pond and the ripples go outward. And that Jesus is the center and everything flows from the center. And first is our relationship with Jesus and then with our household and then with the body of Christ and then with the community in the world. And it makes sense because even Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth, to the uttermost parts of the world. But it only makes sense that, that we follow that flow of relationship, that everything flows out of the center of our relationship with Jesus. And then we don't leapfrog to the ends of the earth, but we, we address what it means to follow Jesus with our household. Whether you're single, whether you're married, have a bazillion kids at home, and everything in between. We take and we think of our relationship with Jesus, then through our household, then as a body of Christ, and then the community in the world. See, our strategy must focus on how can we weave the idea, this emphasis, that fosters a relationship with Jesus first. At home, then as a church, and then out into the community and into the world. See, it's all integrated. But it is hardest to live our faith at home. It is the hardest to live our faith at home. But passing on the faith, evangelism and discipleship begins at home. And if we don't do it there, if we can't do it there, it's only a show everywhere else. If we cannot live our faith at home, then what we do out there, or even here, is just a show. It's fake in public. See, godly beliefs and godly actions equals integrity. And if it's not recognizable at home, it's fake elsewhere. We must live the Christian life at home first, where only God and our household sees, and our neighbors sometimes hear, and see. But we must aim for multi-generational impact through those through those spheres, through those areas of life. See, what will our kids and our grandkids remember 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the road if Jesus doesn't come back first? And we're hoping he comes back first. But what will our kids and our grandkids remember 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the road? What leaders will they remember who led them and taught them the word of God? My hope and my prayer is that it is their moms and their dads who who read the Bible with them, taught them the word of God, and prayed with them, and led them to Christ. And then godly adults came alongside and supported what was taught in the home. That's my hope. That's my prayer. Let them see Jesus. But you may be sitting here today feeling some regret because you haven't done that, or it wasn't done in your life, or you're not doing that now. But let me say this, don't let regret be a roadblock to keep you from what you feel bad about not doing. (laughs) Don't let regret get in the way of doing what you know God has called you to do. Just confess it to God and start today. Start doing that today. Do what you know God wants you to do and what you have a desire to do and just start today. 
Let the past be the past. Let God take care of the past. And trust him for the future. And trust him right now in the present too. Give him Jesus. Simple. Give him Jesus. And finally, I want to say one thing about um, serving God as a way of life. Serving God as a way of life. Think about the people you have on your list. Or maybe you're on someone else's list. That's the result of wanting to serve God more than wanting to be served. Jesus said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus gave. Jesus served. And there's our example. And the people that we remember, the people that we consider, the people that we want to imitate are those who've served. Those who have served with humility and with gentleness and with integrity and with honesty. Those who embody the characteristic of unselfish service. Those are the people that, that, in a sense, are like Jesus to us. Humble and gentle, like Jesus said he is. And if you didn't have those kind of people in your life, most likely you want to be that kind of person in someone else's life. Because you want others to have what you didn't have. And that's a noble aspiration. And you want that so that others may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. Another good thing. A really good thing. For the rest of this year, here's what we're going to do as a church. We're going to try to weave in the emphasis of unselfish service in everything we do. In everything we do. And we're not going to do it in our own strength. It'll be as God leads us. But it's the idea of as we're saved by grace, so we live by grace and we want to serve by grace. And so we want to find as many ways as we can to serve God at home, as a church, and out in the community. In that order. I'd like to ask the worship team to come back up. We're going to sing one more song. But I want to share one more thing. Earlier this week, I was watching some men in my neighborhood trim some eucalyptus trees. And where I live in Irvine, there are some huge eucalyptus trees. And here's the process. They, you know, these are huge trees with big trunks and heavy, heavy limbs. And here's what they did. They set up a, a truck, a big truck with, with an uh, extension on it and a crow's nest at the top. There was a guy at the top uh, with, a, with a chainsaw. But there, was, there were two or three stationed below. There was someone up on a roof watching to make sure that uh, things didn't hit the, the structure. And then they had ropes tied around the trunks and the branches that they were going to cut so as not uh, to fall and either injure or kill someone. They took great care and precision in what they were doing because the stakes were high. The stakes were high because if if they cut one of those branches and it fell and hit an innocent bystander or one of these workmen, they could die. The stakes were high. And I learned a lesson as I saw that. I thought, the higher the stakes, the greater the care and precision needed. So much more uh, the care that we need to take when we're talking life and eternity. Because there is a, a leader that we are to follow. As we remember those who God has used in our life to teach us and to lead us, to help us grow in Christ. As we aspire uh, to be those kind of people 
that kind of people in other people's lives, we got to remember this. God is most concerned with our movement and our direction today. Where are we heading? What kind of movement are we making in Christ? We're to follow those examples as much as they led us to zero in on Jesus. And no more. And Jesus is our supreme leader, our supreme teacher, the supreme one that we are to imitate. In the perfect time, he came to earth. He came to earth to die for our sins. He rose from the grave so that we might know him, so that we might love him, so that we might serve him. And the very next verse in this chapter, verse 8, says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He's not changing. He is the same. And so, as we, as we aspire to, to follow Jesus and to be like him, we've got to take great care. Great care. Because others are either going to be helped or hindered by what they see. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you and praise you for your goodness to us. Oh Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for these amazing examples that we can remember in our lives. People, just ordinary people that you used in extraordinary ways. And Lord, we just pray that you would help us to zero in on you, to trust you, to do what you want to do in and through us. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.